The Unlikely Innovators with Mike Comito and Steve Gravel. Presented by Cambrian R&D and the Center for Smart Mining. Welcome back to the next episode, the newest episode of The Unlikely Innovators. I'm Mike Comito. Wait, I'm not Mike Comito. I'm Steve Gravel. I'm joined as always (laughs) by Mike Comito. Mike, how's it going? It's good, Steve. I guess uh, it's another Tuesday morning when you're listening to this. 6 a.m. is when it is officially released. So to those, I, I wake up every week. Um, you know, it depends on what time my, uh, our youngest, who is uh, 18, no, she's, yeah, 18 months. Depends on what time she gets up at, but it's usually at an ungodly hour. But I'm always, I think, amazed and appreciative that when I look at the, my phone and I check out the number of listens so far, that even as early as 6.30, somebody has already started listening to the podcast. So whoever Before you are- Before we even put it out. Before we yeah. even put it out on social media, people can't wait to get their fix. So again, I, uh, I, I think it's always, you know, it doesn't matter how many of these we do. I think every week we're always just, you know, so appreciative and, and happy that, that you choose to spend time listening to us. Uh, but of course, listening to our guests, because I think that's what, what keeps you coming back. Well, and I was going to say, how good are the guests getting? My God, like, I, I, I don't know where we're going to go from here. Uh, this week, we have uh, Victoria Coleman, uh, Dr. Victoria Coleman, who is the VP of Business Development uh, at Verve Technologies, a Sudbury-based uh, medtech startup. Um, had a really fun time chatting with her. Uh, really interesting lens coming in sort of uh, uh, over a little bit over a year ago with Verve. Um, Verve's been around since 2012, and they've been just pushing uh, you know, consistently and constantly towards the goal of commercializing this revolutionary idea. And it, it just was an interesting perspective she had on where they're at in the development now and some really exciting times ahead, as I'm sure everyone will, will hear in a moment. Yeah. And I loved how she was able to kind of bring it all back. You know, we talked at the end about running, you know, and running mm-hmm. those five marathons at, uh, at some of those marquee cities, but then was able to kind of tie that back to the marathon. She's now currently running with Verve kind of jumping in you know, a little over a year ago now trying to push them towards that finish line that is within sight, you know, as they get to the next phase, you know, of their development with the, with the full prototype development. Yeah. And I think uh, just her interesting healthcare background, I think uh, really paired well with, with the role she has now. And I think uh, the perspective she has on, uh, on personalized healthcare, I think uh, is really a good fit with Verve. So I'm sure we'll see uh, really cool things to come from the company. Uh, not that they haven't already. They're, they're, they're really cool. Um, but yeah, I think uh, we must not delay any further. Let's go now to uh, Dr. Victoria Coleman. We're pleased to be joined by uh, Dr. Victoria Coleman uh, from Verb Technologies. Uh, Victoria is a 25-year veteran in healthcare delivery, both clinically and in business development. Uh, she successfully run two wellness clinics delivering uh, well healthcare from an integrative approach. Dr. Coleman uh, introduced and was president of Douglas Laboratories, uh, Pure Encapsulations Canada for 14 years and served as VP of Clinical Education for Atrium Innovations. Victoria is also a certified functional medicine practitioner through the Institute of Functional Medicine, she holds a master's degree in human nutrition and, fun- and functional medicine. Uh, and recently, Victoria has also taken on the challenging new role uh, with the exciting start of Verve Technologies as the VP of business development. Uh, and obviously, in this role, it continues to fuel her passion for inspiring people to take control of their health and wellness. So we're very happy to have Victoria join the podcast today to, to talk about her journey and, uh, and, and obviously Verve as well. So welcome, Victoria. Thank you. Thank you, Steve and Mike. Happy to be here. 
It's great to have you. So one of the things we, we always ask our guests is, you know, that bio, I think, kind of covers, you know, some of your career in broad strokes. But maybe if you can talk a little bit about your own journey um, and, 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 and how you got to be where you are right now. Sure. Um, it's, it's interesting. Sometimes we don't know the path we're going to take and we think we have this planned out at the age of 19 and, and then all these side diversions occur. And for me, I went to school thinking I wanted to become a teacher and that's how I headed off to university. And then after, after being accepted into a concurrent teaching program, I volunteered um, into a grade three class and quickly made a decision. Maybe that's not <laughs> what I wanted to do. And I, it's one of those things that I really deeply had this desire to be involved in healthcare, but along the, the stream of health promotion, preventative health. And so I went off to chiropractic college and became a chiropractor and enjoyed that for many years. But I found that really what I was doing most of the time was teaching when you're, when you're working with people, you're teaching them how to improve their health and giving them strategies in their health and wellness. And that was um, a great vehicle to be able to do that. During that, I also realized um, people just did invariably better when I added multiple things to their care plan. And part of that would be supplementation, dietary, exercise advice. And that led me to bringing in some products into Canada I wanted to use with my patients um, that weren't currently available in Canada. Long and short of that led to meeting somebody who had a business relationship with the owner of Douglas Laboratories in the US. And so we developed Douglas Laboratories Canada and brought that um, nutraceutical line for professionals into Canada. And then that through acquisitions um, ended up being um, with Atrium Innovations and Atrium further added different um, brands that I was taking care of in Canada and an excellent opportunity for me. I enjoyed every part of it as a startup and watching this grow and, and develop it. But then I moved on to a role uh, into medical education where we were able to create events and venues for practitioners to come together and learn about integrative care. And so the teaching side, I guess, always has been there and comes out, but it's with that stream of encouraging preventative um, health and wellness for individuals. And then to land where I did now, I feel so fortunate. I decided it was time after many years to step away from my role with Atrium. And I really like the startups. I like being able to dig in and do multiple things. And um, so one of the founders who happens to be a friend and colleague for many years, um, approached me and we started to talk about uh, a potential role with Verve and, and here I am now feeling very, um, very grateful for that opportunity. I find it uh, so interesting, Victoria, that, um, you know, th it can be night and day between, you know, running your own practice as a chiropractor and then working at, you know, big companies like Atrium and then now back to uh, sort of the startup phase again. Could you talk a bit about the differences between those worlds because uh, they don't seem similar on paper, but are there sort of threads that, that are in common? And maybe it's through that teaching lens that everything has that commonality with you. Sure, I think there is commonality and then I think there's stark differences. So it is both. I would start with the common thread is being involved in healthcare. This for me, both uh, was around that area of being involved in healthcare, health promotion on the cutting edge, integrative care. Um, when I was involved with Atrium, it very much was the, the norm there. That was, that was our focus was health pr promotion and, and prevention. So that thread continued um, no differently really than when I was in my clinical practice. 
So that, that part was great. The part that differs for me in the larger institutions is um, they have a lot of uh, they have a lot of resources and great things to help you move forward. But sometimes you you have to stick to your lane and there's certain things that you need to be doing and we have such a big team, other things are done and you, you can be a little disjointed, I suppose, or detached from certain parts of the, the overall picture. And I was missing a bit of that. I was missing the entrepreneurial side of having to wear seven hats in one day and be able to be very nimble and quick and and be able to be um, somewhat unpredictable in a startup. And that's the part I'm really enjoying right now with, with Verb is being able to do multiple things, watch it grow, see the, see the mm -hmm. interest coming around us. Well, yeah, we've kind of, you know, we've been kind of talking uh, around the edges around Verb. Um, and so that's kind of one of the things we wanted to talk about now is, um, you know, I initially reached out to you. This was probably a few weeks back, although when people are hearing this, you know, that timeline, you know, will have to be adjusted. <laughs> but, uh, you know, this was when Verve had received 500000 from NHFC to further develop its at-home blood analyzer. And so I know that some of our listeners are probably familiar with the, with the innovative work that Verve is doing. Uh, but I was wondering if you could talk with us a little bit about this product and what Verve is hoping to do with this disruptive technology. Absolutely. This is the fun part, right? I love talking about this. Um, yeah. Verve has had this mission. I, I, I mean, I, I have to start with this to say that there are four founders that are incredible people. So it's fun to be involved with these intelligent, smart people that had this vision back in 2012. And that vision with our key founder and president, Jeff Sutton, who I believe you know, because he's a professor at, uh, he teaches at Cambria and he mm -hmm. actually teaches the physics of magnetic resonance imaging. So, so there's the, the brain side of things coming out. Um, and really being around these guys and having their vision, uh, seeing it come this far, of being able to enable a consumer to be able to test their blood in their home without ever leaving their home having those results within 15 minutes through their technology delivered to their smartphone. And this was the mission and they've been on it, like I said, since 2012, but there's been um, an incredible breakthrough in 2019, which really accelerated things in this past uh, few months. And that's, that's with the ability, the technology they've, they've come up with to separate blood plasma from whole blood. And why that's so important is blood plasma is really the, the blood that's used for the majority of blood tests, that's where the majority of the information is. So they came, they had that breakthrough in 2019. So there's, since that time, there's been a, a strong acceleration as to where the device is going through. So there's the plasma separator, then there's the actual analyzer, and that's what the chips go into, which the, as a consumer, you would order a chip of interest, maybe a test you'd like to do is cholesterol. And you would insert that into an analyzer. You would wait 15 minutes and on your smartphone, you'll have, you'll have results, you'll have quantifiable results. And so just back, just if I can quickly with our founders, um, we have someone who's Jeff Sutton, who's I, I've mentioned a brilliant lead on this. We have Dr. Herman Falter, who has been a <laughs> well-known, um, he's our chief scientist and well-known in the area. He was instrumental in setting up the Northern Ontario School of Medicine. He's um, uh, won numerous awards. Uh, we also have um, Dr. Mike Staffen, who's been in health and wellness in the Sudbury area for years and high in promoting um, self-care and patient engagement in their own health. 
And then Dr. Angela Mazuchin, who also taught, uh, I believe at Cambrian and sadly has passed away, but um, so you can see the core of these smart guys coming together with this mission. And really they're at the point now where within a few weeks, the working prototype, full working prototype will be, will be completed. And that's a really exciting phase for us. So we, we anticipate to see this in every, everybody's home. This will be part of their, their healthcare. This will sit in their home and multiple people in the home can use the analyzer and you order the test of interest that you mm -hmm. are interested in, in looking at and that would be delivered to your home and you never have to leave your home. That's actually, Victor, I wanted to ask you, cause you mentioned, you know, some of those, those tests of interest and you can order a chip to let's say, you know, you know, do a cholesterol test. How many, how many potential tests could we be talking about on, on this particular device? Right. Um, that, that's a good question that we're exploring ourselves because mm -hmm. there will be some limitations, but there'll be quite a few of the regular tests that you think of as a consumer, things like your cholesterol, your vitamin D, your thyroid hormone, um, inflammatory marker mm -hmm. like C-reactive protein, um, hormones such as uh, testosterone, estrogen. Um, these are all key things that consumers are interested in. And we've done surveys to confirm that. And these will be tests that we'll be able to, to provide. Originally, um, in the early stages, we'll be looking at what we call CLIA wave tests or tests that have been approved and mm -hmm. uh, are able to be done in the home. Um, a lot of these uh, will uh, be tests that have been approved through the FDA. Health Canada will be a, a different um, area that we'll be looking at from a regulatory point of view. But these tests are the tests that consumers will will be interested in. We anticipate rolling out um, numerous tests um, as we go, but test assay development needs to be modified to our device. So it will take some time, but we'll continue to build on the suite of tests that will be offered. I think, um, I can't say how proud I am of, of Verve because I remember meeting um, Angelo in around 2012 or 2013, and the idea sounded Great. I mean, this is, you know, what everyone thinks about when, when they hope for advances in telemedicine and remote medicine uh, and remote diagnostics. Um, but I just wanted to make a comment to you that, like, one thing that's been so noteworthy about that group of gentlemen is just they've been like dogs with a bone. You know, <laughs> like, it's been since 2012 and they just have not stopped. You know, like, every, every company journey has ups and downs, but they've been so dogged in their chasing down of this and, and to see it come to fruition has just been really inspirational, I think. I think that's a great point and I feel the same way. And it just goes to show when you get a smart group of people together that have a vision, you need some persistence, you need uh, support and you definitely need that, that dedication. And that's something that's definitely been exhibited by this group. Yeah, and I wanted to just bring another thing up um, I mentioned telemedicine, and that has been, you know, for northern and rural communities, something that, uh, you know, has been uh, really changing people's lives. But another lens was added when the pandemic started, making this even more prescient. Um, could you talk a bit about, you know, Verve's benefits in view of the pandemic and where we need to be able to do more at home and more like away from concentrated healthcare centers? Sure. I think that's um, an important point to discuss right now because the world's changed in the last 18 or so months. And one thing we've seen is the not only the desire, but the need for decentralized testing. And Verve certainly 
looks to answer and provide that solution. Um, the virtual, it's, it's funny you said about the telehealth and the virtual health. People don't realize how this has exploded in the last mm -hmm. uh, 18 months. I mean, we look back in March 2020, and it was about 19% of people that had virtual health or telehealth appointments. In one year, it is now 61%. So there's no question that trajectory will continue and all indicators are that this will not reverse. People have really come to enjoy this um, ability. So two key points on that. Not only has it helped the users or the patient, and it's been noted that they do prefer the simplicity and the convenience and the safety of being able to do this from their home. But not only that, the doctors and clinicians that were kind of more of our skeptical group originally around this have said that it's been a way to improve their access to more people regardless of any geographic location. So when we have a, a situation like we've just come through, there's no question Verve will be able to add on their suite of tests an infectious disease chip. Mm -hmm. Do we want to look at influenza and COVID-19? And that is something we are exploring right now and be able to uh, provide that so individuals can remain in the safety of their, their home where they feel maybe more comfortable and not have to venture out. Not to mention, what about these um, challenging uh, geographic locations or underserviced areas and sure. they don't have access to the lab and how do they make these decisions and how can we get to them and eventually maybe have earlier treatment, be able to talk more about prevention. And there's a cost savings to be had on the healthcare system for that too. So absolutely, I think this is, um, we were on this mission and the team at Verve has been on this mission for a long time, but there's no question the pandemic has illuminated the need. Mm -hmm. And this is, uh, this is something that's, I guess, a, a positive that we could pull that out as to what this technology will really be able to solve and answer to. Yeah, certainly. I think the I think for a lot of companies, you know, over the last eighteen months or so, there have been some of these silver linings that I think we've been able to kind of capitalize on or realize that there's a need for something, you know. And, and you talked about the mission, you know, that Verve's been on. And I think back to, you know, there was early into my tenure at Cambrian, um, I can remember we we housed Verve uh, at some of our our shops and offices, you know, in the Glencore Center for Innovation at the Sudbury campus. So I remember, you know, seeing Jeff and and Angelo and Herman, you know, walking the hallways, kind of busily working away in our shop and then in one of our other labs. Um, and I know that that predated your arrival with the company. But one of the things I wanted to ask you is that, you know, as Verve is obviously part of a vibrant innovation ecosystem in Sudbury. Um, and so, you know, I talked about how they were at Cambrian before they moved to HSNRI. Uh, but could you talk about some of the other community support that has helped Verve out along the way? Because I think obviously with startups, you know, they're, uh, they're often a product of the community that they reside in. And ideally, you've got the community kind of rallying around and, and helping to get that startup off the ground. Right, good point. And I think to start uh, right there is that Cambrian. Cambrian has been instrumental in Verve's progression. Um, you're right, it was Verve's first home. And they were, they were great with leasing space and being able to provide um, some of the lab services and equipment. As a matter of fact, I think we actually had hired some students working um, in the lab. So there's, you know, you always think back to your, your roots and Cambrian was absolutely instrumental in the beginning to, to Verve. And that's so important to innovators to get that kind of support to get off the ground. 
Another really uh, instrumental one has been NORCAT, which has been excellent support. Um, the CEO, Don Duvall, has been extremely helpful as a mentor and connector to key resources in the area. Um, so having that support really, it makes a massive difference. Um, NOHFC has been um, really an important one and has been involved with for more than once, but our recent grant has certainly going to help accelerate our, our progression. The Sudbury Catalyst Fund, another one that has invested in Verve, which really demonstrates their confidence in our ability and what we're looking to achieve here. And then of course, um, HSNRI, another excellent partner who's our current home. I think we were the second resident in their facility, state-of-the-art facility to be able to lease space in um, and be able to collaborate with other startups is really growing the whole uh, med tech, I think, incubator over there and being able to, to provide, um, just to be able to provide the infrastructure that's needed. So I think the, I think Sudbury and the North in general is starting to become a really great or has been a really great ecosystem that will continue to expand. And we're excited at Verb to be able to have hired some key smart PhDs that are, have moved from the South and come up to uh, enjoy the beautiful north. And so we're seeing that ecosystem grow and to be part of that and be able to attract that kind of talent is, it's been really exciting for us too. Gosh, I mean, I didn't even consider that, but that is a good point um, about talent attraction. I think that that's a, an ever important thing, especially when you're trying to develop, you know, a potential med tech um, cluster in the city. Um, I take it that you aren't from Sudbury, is that correct, Victoria? I'm not, I'm a, I'm a South, I'm from the South, I'm from London, Ontario originally. Right, did, what That's did you I think? I was born. So oh, is that right, Mike? I didn't yeah, know that. I was originally born in London, lived there for six years and I've been all over the province, but Sudbury's home now, so. Right, yeah. right. What I was gonna ask you is, uh, and uh, you, you know, you can give me your opinion on this. <laughs> um, what do you think about Sudbury as a place to be able to attract more of that sort of upper echelon, high-flying talent. Uh, when you've come up here, um, are, are you uh, struck by, you know, is it the physical beauty? Is it the sort of like uh, big, small town feel? You know, do you think we have enough to be able to attract that sort of wave of talent we need to build and grow companies here? No question, you do. No question. Um, so you hit it all. There is the beauty. I think we, we often, um, come up here with the idea of, of seeing, well, right now it's incredibly beautiful with the changing <laughs> of colors. And, and then we start to realize there's a lot more to it than just beautiful landscape. There's great people, there's infrastructure here. Um, look at what Sudbury offers. I mean, you have the hospital, you, you have the, where we are at the Research Institute, you have all kinds of development going on. And I think it's, I, I hate to say, is it still a little bit of a quiet gem? We want it to grow and I think it is growing and we have not had trouble attracting talent that's relocating to the area. So I would say it checks all the boxes and will continue to grow. Oh, that's so good because for so long we've heard, you know, how are you gonna, if you bring somebody for a company tour, don't bring them up in January or February, right? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but I think that's starting to go away now. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you, because you have a bit of a unique perspective, because you weren't there necessarily through the long years, like from 2012 to, to present, you've only been with the company uh, for a little over a year. Um, I wanted I wanted to ask two questions. One, you know, what are some of the notable milestones that you've been a part of uh, in your time uh, 
and then sort of taking the forward-looking lens, where do you see Verve in the next three to five years? What do you, what what can you prognosticate as some of the big next steps that uh, that will position the company uh, to grow rapidly? Okay, well, I think um, notable milestones. Um, well, one was just before I arrived, but I have to say it is that in 2019, that hurdle of being able to crack that code on how to separate this blood plasma from whole blood using mm -hmm. just a few finger pricks of blood. So that was a massive milestone that Verve reached. And I think for myself in my short time here, one of the key or a couple of the key milestones um, that I'm excited about and proud of is helping to build and assist in procuring this uh, technical team that's working in Sudbury going out and finding those individuals and bringing them here and um, building this team under the guidance of Jeff Sutton has been, that's been a big milestone. I think also securing investment in grants and being able to create that um, funding to be able to continue this project and see it through, which has been, um, it's been exciting. And uh, it's actually, it's gone very, very well. You would think that's a real grind, but it's been um, something really that's been quite enjoyable and has been successful. And I think also um, the biggest one is the milestone we're about to hit and that's in the next few weeks and that's the completion of the full working prototype. And we expect that to be completed by the end of October. That will be, that will be the big boy. <laughs> that's the major <laughs> milestone that we're excited for. And then next uh, question you had about that sort of three to five years, where do we see ourselves? And no question, the big, the big one will be let's get commercialized so that we can be in every household. Um, remember, there's multiple people that can use one of these analyzers in the household. So let's get one in every household to empower and enable consumers to be able to make great decisions around their health and wellness using one of the key measures, which is our blood. And being able to do that will, will really be um, a goal of ours. Um, I think also to be able to get out into these communities that have geographical or service limitations, being able to be able to answer that and solve that solution in the future is something that Verve would be very proud of and is on our goal list. So I think um, those are the big ones. And then of course, we've come through this whole infectious disease time and that's on our mind. So being able to do that type of testing, like we never probably envisioned that we would need to be looking at uh, maybe what our blood shows us before we go to work or before we're about to take a holiday. And mm -hmm. so this has opened up this other, where do we see ourselves in three to five years? I think we'll be seeing ourselves as a key part of the healthcare solution. Uh, for individuals and as communities as a whole. Yeah, and I think it's, uh, gosh, when you're saying, you know, about in every home, it's really flipping the whole system on its ear kind of, right? Because it's really liberating your own health data and putting it in your own hands for really the first time. And, we, you know, the, the advent of eHealth sort of did that, but you're still reliant on, you know, laboratories to derive that data from you, right? It's, it's really, uh, I, I find it a fascinating uh, shift in where the data is housed. I agree. I think it's, uh, there's a couple things to that. I think it is going to turn things on its head, but in such a good way, I, mm -hmm. I almost hesitate to say disruptive as opposed to saying something more collaborative because we won't eliminate the need for a laboratory for some tests. That, that will always be probably necessary. And we certainly don't look to eliminate the need to 
um, discuss with your doctor. We, we look to just bridge gaps and empower and allow consumers to be taking charge and control of their health and be able to do so at any time, anywhere for, for their convenience. And so really I see it as a, a major bridging and just to enhance the, the healthcare system that we have to, to work better. And technology as we've seen has really changed the landscape they're changing their heart rate, their blood pressure, their blood oxygen levels. They're, there's all kinds of things due to technology we're able to do. Well, what's one of the major missing pieces? Blood. So here we, here we are. It's, it's such a great story. And again, we were so happy to have you on because I think when Steve and I initially came up with the concept for the Unlikely Innovators podcast, like we always have had Verve in the back of our mind, because I think it fits the mold where, you know, Sudbury is still often seen as an unlikely destination for innovation, especially in, you know, the med tech realm. I think when people think of innovation in Sudbury, they're probably going to immediately think of what's happening in mining. Um, but again, I think Verve is living proof that there's a burgeoning, you know, med tech community here in town. And I think this disruptive technology is, is pretty en emblematic of that. But, um, before we let you go, one of the things we want to talk to you about, and again, it's not related to Verve, because I think we've, we've covered a lot of the great stuff that you guys are doing. I noticed in your bio, and I didn't read it because I wanted to save it for this question, but you know, you'd mentioned that you know you'd done the five Grand Slams of, 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 the, of the five Grand Slam marathons. And so this is obviously the Boston Marathon, the New York City Marathon, London, Chicago, Berlin, which I think are all cities that any of us would just love to visit, let alone you know, run a marathon in. Um, last year I did my first half marathon, which was felt like a big, a big accomplishment for me. I think the marathon still eludes me, but I'd like to do it one day. Can you talk maybe a little bit about, you know, that time in your life when you, you were running marathons and what it was like running marathons in some of these, you know, highly regarded cities? Sure. That's uh, so first congratulations on your half. Um, it's Thank it's all amazing. Whatever we achieve and any goal we set for ourselves and achieve is amazing. Um, but yeah, I've always been a runner. There's no better way to see a city than throw your shoes on and go by foot. Now, yeah, going 42.2 kilometers is a bit uh, maybe much if, if you're not into that. But for me, um, I've always been athletic. I've always enjoyed pushing the limits and setting goals. So um, can't really remember how I got interested in it. I think it was my niece. We just decided to train for this first marathon. And my first one, I was lucky enough to qualify for Boston. So it led me into this whole, um, hey, why not do the whole five grand slams? And I have to say my, my outcome from that, I'm, I'm proud and happy I did it, but man, that's the way to have fun when you're traveling and see cities and get involved in something like a whatever is going on in their city that they're really proud of as a community and you are quickly embraced and you'll have a great time. And so the marathon running for me, I feel like I'm on another one now with Verve, but it's a, it's one I can see the finish line. So it's pretty exciting. And I got to jump in kind of halfway, but um, yeah, I, it's something running anytime you, again, you challenge yourself and around physical fitness and performance, um, I think is a good thing. Yeah, it's uh, I. It was funny because when I was when I was younger, I I hated running, and then you know as I got older and I you know got into competitive swimming, it became like part of the dryland training. And then as I got older, you know I I kind of stopped doing it because it was it was kind of hard on my knees. But then I I got back into it again, and what really got me into it was like using things like the Nike Run app because it kind of gamifies it for you, where you enter con challenges every week, right? Where I have to try to run 15k this week or or 50k 
uh, this month. And so I, I, I like that element to it because it kind of pushes you to do something beyond. And, and that's kind of what got me into the half marathon last year was I was working with a trainer at Cambrian, you know, and it was the first time I had trained for anything in, in a very long time. So I kind of like the aspect of, of, of pushing myself and training for it. So I, I definitely agree there again. Uh, if I, I, I didn't get to run the, the half marathon in person, cause it was obviously at the height of the pandemic. So it was virtual. Um, I was happy with my time, but I really, I want to do it again because I feel like you need to experience it with other people to push you to the, your absolute limit, because, you know, as much as I think I did a decent time, I know that if I had people nipping at my heels, um, maybe I would have been able to shave some seconds off. So we'll Well, see. It makes a difference for sure. And now that you've said that you've, um, you've done that, but you haven't done it with all that crowd support, which makes a huge difference. I guarantee you will. And I will place a bet with you. You will run a full after you've done that. And, um, have had all that support and energy, you'll probably decide that you'll run a full marathon. And I, I love what you just said, because it was technology that really kind of motivated you to do something. Mm-hmm. I know I'm coming back to this, uh, how Verve can change things, but when you have the ability to do something or test something, you tend to do it. So mm-hmm. if you, people think, well, will I want to test my blood? It's kind of like, will I want to check my blood pressure? Well, once we've had that technology, do I care about my steps? Yeah, once we've been give, given that mm-hmm. technology, we tend to really engage with it and use it, and then it motivates us. Well, and maybe if we talk more about the Nike running app, they'll become a sponsor, and then Mike <laughs> and I can quit our day jobs. There you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> hey, uh, it was funny because uh, when you were talking about, uh, you know, you you made the the analogy to uh, the marathon that you're now running at uh, at Verve, but you're coming in halfway. It's almost like you're a pace runner. You're coming in, you're coming in now to make them run even faster than they were before. So I think the analogy still holds up with running and verve. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. Uh, Victoria, it was so great to have you on and to tell, um, I think it was a great lens to tell the verve story uh, from, from you jumping in, you know, a little over a year ago with your background. I think it really elucidated some of the, uh, the key points of where, of where Verve is going. And, and we're just really excited to have you on and, and you're so generous with your time. So thanks thanks for joining us today. Oh, thank you both Steve and Mike. I really, really enjoyed it and would love to chat again. Well, I think once you guys get to that next milestone, it'd be great to have you back on and, and, and talk about that, so. Sounds perfect. Well, Steve, that was a great interview. Um, Appreciate Victoria coming on and talking to us about, you know, her journey and also Verve's journey. You know, one of the things I was struck by as well at the end, you know, when she talked about how technology has facilitated, I think a lot of the things that, you know, previously we wouldn't have considered or maybe had taken for granted. And again, I'm not, uh, I'm not plugging uh, Apple uh, by any means. I was plugging Nike Run Club earlier, but, uh, <laughs> but I, I didn't, I didn't used to care about steps or anything like that, but then I got an Apple watch. And as part of that, it tracks your fitness for the day, right? It tells you like, how many minutes have you moved? Like how often did you stand up? You know, how many steps have you taken? What are your calories? Right. And so I, I that wasn't something I thought about. I just had enough RBC points to, to get an Apple watch. And so I got <laughs> one thinking, I just wanted to use it to go for runs because I wouldn't have to take my phone with me. Uh, but it's amazing now that every day you're always checking to see like, did I move enough? Did I do enough activity? Um, and so I think, yeah, that point holds well for, uh, for what she'd said about verb that I think once they get to the point where you can have that in your home, you know, even if it, these were tests that you didn't think you necessarily wanted or needed to do, I think once you have that ease of uh, access, um, it's going to be a part of your, your daily life. Yeah, it's definitely the next phase of uh, the quantified self movement, right? That sort of started with those uh, 
biometric feedback wearables that you're talking about, but now, you know, technology is allowing us to go deeper and to understand more about our bodies. And I think that's great. But uh, one thing you won't get off the hook of uh, this week, Mike, and I know you won't bring this up because you're too humble. Um, our friend, Mike Camito has launched uh, the second volume of his book series, Hockey 365. Mike, um, you're not going to escape without talking about it. I know this isn't a hockey podcast, but, you know, we're blending forms all the time. Well, I appreciate that, Steve. I guess it is unlikely, though, because I think when I started my academic journey, I was researching environmental history and uh, certainly not hockey, right? So I think for me to be talking to you today with now two hockey history books under my belt is a bit of an unlikely uh, path for me. But again, so happy with the result. It's uh, again, I guess I will you've given me the microphone, so I'll have to plug it a little bit. So it's, uh, yes, it's hockey through 65, the second period, more daily stories from the ice. And if you're familiar with the first volume, it's, it's a similar format. It's 365 short hockey history stories, one for every day of the year. Each story is a page. Um, and it can take you on a journey from before the NHL's formation to some of the more recent events, uh, last year with the two, with the 2020 playoffs, um, when we had, you know, the teams playing in, in the bubbles, so to speak, in, in Toronto and Edmonton and, you know, having a Stanley Cup awarded in September was certainly an unusual thing. So I tried to capture, you know, not not too much from the most recent past. But uh, but again, I think given what's happened in our world in the last 18 months there, you'll find some more recent stories in the book kind of highlighting uh, that adjustment period. So does this allow me to do one of my favorite things and say available in fine bookstores everywhere? That's exactly w- what you could say, because it is um, obviously. If you're an Amazon shopper, you can get it on Amazon, or if you're in Canada, it's at Indigo or Chapters. But certainly, if if you if you like to uh, go to a local independent bookseller, they they'll have it. They may not have it right now, but if you ask them for it, they'll order it in for you. So again, wherever you like to buy books, you can find Hockey Through Sixty Five, the second period. And if you're in Ontario, I know that Mike has been known to, when traveling for business, stop in to one of these local bookstores. So. You might even be able to get a copy signed by an author one day. That always was my um, one of the one of the things I definitely used to do. We haven't traveled for work in quite some time, or I haven't traveled for anything in quite some time. But I would always go to wherever we were, whether it was Toronto, Ottawa, or Timmins. Um, I would go to the local chapters or Coles because that's usually the easiest place to find a copy of the book, and I would sign them. And I was always struck by <laughs> these places would never ask you for identification. Um, we just be like, Hey, I'm the author of this book. Like I'm here to sign these for you because they'll put on, if you're at chapters, they'll put on signed by author sticker. And then ideally that'll entice somebody to buy the book because this random guy that you've never heard of has signed this book. But there was one place where they did ID me and it was at the the Toronto, uh, chapters in the Eden center, which makes sense. But Mm -hmm. yeah, it kind of struck me that of all these other places I've been to, you know, they've just taken they've assumed that I am in fact who I say I am. But at that Toronto one, the, the guy said to me, he's like, it's happened before where people come in here and they'll sign a book and they're not actually the author of the book. I don't know why Yeah, yeah. you would do that. Uh, I mean, Hey mom, maybe- I just got a book signed by RL Stein. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I should do that. Sign the goosebumps collection. Yeah. 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 Look, it's rolled doll. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So rolled. I think, no, I think the D is silent. Or is there even a D? I don't know. <laughs> Why bring it up? Yeah, that's remember. great stuff. Anyway, uh, so I'm glad you got to talk about it, Mike, because uh, I know you're pretty pumped about it, and, and so are we. So congratulations on the book. And uh, Thanks. I guess 
this could be weeks after the launch, but we're recording it the week of the launch. Um, so by the time you hear it, you, you can get it anywhere you, you want to. So, and, um, and I was going to say, maybe by the time you're hearing it, you know, Christmas shopping time, you know, <laughs> you're putting together those lists, hockey yeah. fans, hockey lovers. Yeah. Mrs. Camito needs a new pair of shoes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I think we'll leave it there. That's uh, great. Thanks everyone for joining us this week. We'll see you next time. Cheers. The Unlikely Innovators with Mike Comito and Steve Gravel. Presented by Cambrian R&D and the Center for Smart Mining.